If you'll open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, we'll start reading at verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality, immorality uh, sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Father, we ask that you would add your blessing to the reading of the word. And Lord, these truths that are here before us. God, that there would ring forth in our hearts this morning that indeed these words are for us, that they are meant for each one of us. And God, we ask that your word would not return unto you void, but would accomplish that for which you sent it that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to receive, and that you would anoint this pastor right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You are not your own. That's a simple truth, isn't it? And yet, it's one that we need to remind ourselves of. We are not our own. George Mueller once said, I cannot take care of my soul. God can keep that. But my body is for me to take care of. Bowen said, Into the slave market of this world, God hath gone in the person of his son and paid the tremendous price which authorizes him to take as many as he can find willing to go and create them new in the image of the Son. It is not a fragment of you that has been purchased, but the whole. We belong to God, body, soul, and spirit. And as we ponder these words before us this morning, there's three questions that we need to ask and we need to answer. The first question is, why am I not my own? And to that, there are four reasons. 
why we're not our own. First of all, presentation. John chapter 17 and verse 6. Jesus speaking says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your words. God the Father has made a present, a gift, a love gift of Jesus Christ to the world. And he has made a love gift to the Son, and we're it. We are a gift. We are given to Jesus Christ. Secondly, we look at the purchase. We have been bought with a price. And oh, what a price it was. It overwhelms me. When I think of the great price that Jesus Christ paid because of my sins, the suffering that he suffered on Calvary's cross, and he did it willingly for each one of us. Dr. Mole says we are the we are the bought property of our Savior, bought all together for his ends. In other words, it's up to Jesus Christ what happens to me. He bought and paid for me. And I am in his hands. And it's up to him what he wants to do with my life. Most of us, when we buy something, we expect that we can use it how and whenever we want to. If I go out and buy a new car, then I expect that I can drive it if I want to, or I can let it sit in my driveway, or I could take a post mall and beat it into little, little pieces if I wanted to. If I buy a new suit, I can wear it wherever and whenever I choose to. If I want to pour some gasoline on it and burn it up, I can do that too. It is my property, and that's the way it should be. When, when something is bought and paid for, it is, belongs to the person that bought it. And Jesus Christ has bought and paid for each one of us. Thirdly, we have the possession. Someone said nine-tenths of the law. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. 
We've not only been purchased by the Lord, but we're possessed by the Lord. We're indwelt by the Lord. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. I ask him to come into my heart. He now dwells in me. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Verse 19, who is in you, whom you have from God. That's how we know that we've been saved. That's how we know we're Christians. He dwells within my heart. He possesses me. If you were to come by my, my trailer and you looked at the trailer and you said, I wonder who lives there. I wonder whose trailer that is. And so you get on the phone and you start making some phone calls and you finally come across the bank and the bank says, well, that was purchased by, and they give you my name. And then you go by my trailer again and you see that day after day, I come there at night and I leave in the morning. Uh, you'd say I'm living in that trailer. I purchased that trailer. Must be that trailer belongs to Robert Rook. Amen? Well, that's how we know a Christian. We've been bought and purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he indwells us. And then, fourthly, there's preservation. How many here have ever had a close call or a brush with death? I would think that more people than that. I, I can remember being in a car accident when the only, the ambulance driver, when he came to take us to the, to the hospital to get us checked out, he said, I've never seen a car so mangled. He said, I've been doing this 15 years, and I've never seen a car so mangled and no one hurt. I believe that God watches over us. Now, maybe you had a close call with death, either through an accident, through sickness, maybe in a war. But you've got to realize that someone is in charge. Someone's in control. He's not only bought and paid for us, he takes care of us. Even while we're yet sinners, God gave his son for us and he loves us. The Lord 
after your sickness has raised you up or after your close call with death he's raised you up, let me ask you, why? Why would God do that? Why are you still around? Did you ever ask yourself that? Why am I occupying space on this planet? What is the purpose of it all? It says here that we're not our own. We're not our own. That's the world's idea that we belong to ourselves. And but I believe that once you make that connection, that I'm not my own, once you confess that, I'm not my own. Then we have to ask the second question. What obligations does this fact impose upon me? I first of all believe that we must remain the the slaves of God and not the slaves of men. First Corinthians seven and verse twenty-three. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. We're not to be governed by what other people do or what they think. We're not to be governed by the world. We belong to God. We belong to God because Jesus bought and paid the price. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that we can do it. It depends on whether or not that's what God wants me to do. It's possible to be truly the Lord's and not wholly the Lord's. Think about that for a moment. We're apt to say that we belong to ourselves. It's my body. It's my life. I'll do with it as I please. As a matter of fact, you'll see women in Planned Parenthood, women's rights, that are proclaiming that very thing. I can do with my body as I want. It's my choice. Well, it isn't their choice. It's God's choice. The Bible never proclaims that we're our own. The Bible says something completely different. If you look at Psalm 24, there's a verse that's a key verse it's one that you ought to maybe underline in your Bibles. 
the very first verse of chapter 24. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. And once you get that concept that everything belongs to God, we're just stewards. We're just caretakers. We don't belong to ourselves. Then we come to the second thing that once you recognize this, the second thing is found in verse 20 of our text. It says, For you were bought, with, bought at a price, therefore, therefore, because you were bought with a price, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are to glorify God. First of all, in our bodies. Our body was not meant to mistreat. It was not meant to be shot full of drugs or, or overcome with alcohol. Our body was not meant to use for sexual immorality. The body belongs to God and everything that we do should glorify God. And so that speaks of the outwardly, that which is seen. And then it says, in your spirit, that's inwardly, that which is not seen. Your attitudes. That which is down in your heart, is there lust down there? Is there a worldly attitude in your heart you see out of the heart proceeds the issues of life and we're to glorify God not only outwardly but inwardly sometimes the inward becomes a garbage dump especially from today's television I've heard people say, well, I just close my ears when they say the bad words on there. Whatever goes into your mind goes into your heart and becomes a part of you. So you need to watch what you're listening to, what you're looking at, what you're thinking. 
You say, well, thinking? Yeah. The Bible says that if you've committed adultery in your heart, you've done it already. The third thing that comes to us when we acknowledge that we are not our own is that we begin to cleanse ourselves. Cleansing takes place. Someone handed a tract to Mrs. Frances Ridley uh, Havergal, and the name of the tract was All for Jesus. After reading it, she became so engrossed with it and so interested in it that she wrote to the author. The author wrote back to her and he gave her two hints as to what he was talking about. The first was, all is to be laid on the altar, talking about Christ. And secondly, all thus laid on Christ is cleansed. The Bible says in Romans 12:1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Normally we get that much of it, that we're to be a sacrifice. But there's a couple other words there. Holy and acceptable. We are to give a holy and acceptable sacrifice that's our reasonable service isn't it I belong to God isn't it reasonable that I should give it myself back to him that I should allow him to do with me as he pleases that I should be consumed upon the altar for whatever purpose he desires And the next thing that's going to happen when you acknowledge that you belong to Jesus and to the God is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Remember in the Old Testament when they prepared, made ready, they were very meticulous as to how they cut up the offering and how they laid it on the altar and what parts was, was there and which parts were, were not and how it was to be offered. It was a regular ritual. But once that sacrifice was laid upon the altar and in the proper manner, holy and acceptable, what happened? The fire from heaven fell and consumed it. I believe we, when we lay ourselves upon the altar and we come in the manner in which God prescribes, that there's going to be holy fire from heaven and we're going to become all consumed for the use of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Thirdly, 
I believe that because I belong to God. How many of you would run out here and jump in my car without asking me and just take off? All right. Well, other than my daughter. <laughs> the point I want to make is if it don't belong to you, you usually leave it alone. Or you get permission to use it. Or you ask what should be done with it. And I believe that when we realize we belong to God, we're going to begin to ask God, what would you have me to do? You see, God has a plan for our lives. Amen? And if we will just lay ourselves holy and acceptable upon the altar, it's not only going to be consumed with his work, but, you know, Jesus said, I do always those things that please my Father. You know, no one's in a better position to know what's best for you. He made you. He bought you. He paid for you. You belong to him. He ought to know what to do with you. I'm glad he does. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. And that's all right. Because I go to God at those times. Amen? Amen? No one knows better how to meet your need. No one's better equipped to meet your need. And God wants to meet your needs. Those needs are met in Jesus Christ. There's a song in our songbook. It's called All for Jesus. And the first stanza goes like this. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. All my beings ransom power. All my thoughts and words and doings. All my days and all my hours. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. All my days and all my hours. We're going to be coming to the communion table. So we need to prepare our hearts. We want to make sure the sacrifice is prepared properly. They were to cut away the fat. And we need to Make sure that the sacrifice is washed and cleansed. And the only way you can do that is through coming to Jesus Christ. Offering yourself. Asking him to forgive your sins. To cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And while we're preparing for the communion table, that's what we need to be doing. 
So I'm going to ask that everyone would bow their heads. And I want you in your mind's eye to prepare to be offered up holy and acceptable unto God. First of all, you cut away. Ask God to take those things from you which is not pleasing in his sight. Ask him to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We're told if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's with this attitude that we need to come to Jesus. I think we need to stop and consider just what communion's all about. Communion speaks of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The fact that he died and bled for us. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He said that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Jesus is coming for a church without spot and without wrinkle. I believe that Jesus could very well come in our lifetime. I believe that there's a countdown. I believe that the church needs to be made ready. A church without spot and without wrinkle. The church is not a building, it's a it's his blood-bought people. Those who have dedicated themselves to him. Pray, preparing their